Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for sending Jesus the reason for the celebration of Christmas. And Father, we, we thank you that we have been reminded of your great love, that we are led to the cross to remember what you've done for us. The ground is level at the cross for all of us, so we can all bring our stuff and leave it there, and that you willingly, willingly died for us so that we may be brought back into a dynamic relationship with you. Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity. Lord God, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. God, that you would open our hearts to receive everything, everything that you have for us this morning. And so we pray all these things with expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to release the warrior youth at this time. You guys are welcome to go back. I hope you guys are getting ready for a, a wonderful year, 2015. Uh, starting a new series this morning, it's called Ready, Set, Go. Are you ready for 2015? Well, good. We're going to be talking about how we can be prepared for that. My first point this morning, I'm going to jump right in. I have a lot of material to cover. My first point is to be ready is to know what the goal is. In order to be ready for what God has for us, we need to know where we're going. Where are we going as a church? I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, and I want you to be reflective also on where God is taking you. So this is going to be for you personally, but also I'm going to talk a little bit about Life Fellowship, where we are going as a church. What is our purpose at Life Fellowship? A lot of you know what that is, but let's recite our mission statement for Life Fellowship. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I want to break this down a little bit. The first part is to develop. So what that looks like is bringing those into the kingdom of God that don't have a relationship with him and then providing a fertile, healthy environment of growth for those that already do have a relationship with him. So it's a continual development process. We talk about spiritual growth and maturity and, and our relationship with the Lord is a dynamic process in which we are always growing. God is always working in our lives and at least my life, maybe, maybe you guys have arrived, but I think that's true for all of us. And so God is continually pouring into us, helping us to develop that relationship, that intimate relationship with him. So to develop and then also to maintain that connectivity so that we reduce these wild swings. Have you ever been in a season of life where you're hot for God? one day and you're cold and next. And, and so as we maintain that connectivity, we reduce those wild swings to more of a steady flow toward him. We, you know, we, we're always going to have these little dips in our life, seasons in our life where maybe we're struggling a little bit more and then we're going to have those mountaintop experiences where we really see God moving. And that's just part of the dynamics of life. But as we pray, as we spend time in prayer, we can reduce those swings as we're listening to the small, still voice of the Lord giving us direction. So to maintain that connection to God is through prayer, through knowledge of the word, but also application of the word. And you guys, many of you have heard all these before, but I, I want to reiterate, and if you're new here or you're visiting, this is the heart of what God has called us to do, to maintain that connectivity. So knowledge of the word and application of the word, we're starting a new year, of course, and so we've uh, printed out another Bible reading schedule, and we started this a couple of years ago, and we're reading through the entire Old Testament. How many of you are still following along? Any of you still? Oh, good, good, awesome. 
Well, here's a new Bible reading program, so you can start on January 1st. And what we're asking you to do is just read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Take the weekends off if you want. And uh, it's going to take us about another year to get through this year, 2015, and, and then 2016. But we'll have read through the entire Old Testament, and we've read through the New Testament already a couple of times as a church. To maintain that connectivity is through prayer, through knowledge of the Word, application of the Word, and through community with, with other believers. So that's why the local church is so important, that we continue to come together, encourage one another, pray for one another. Even there's an accountability there. Have you ever gone through a season and been sharing with a, a brother or sister in the Lord and and, the, and they can be there and encourage you. Hey, man, I know, listen, I know you're, you're struggling. How are you doing? How are things going? I know that your marriage is, is having some challenges. How are you doing in that? As we stay connected to the Lord, it helps us through those things. I may be getting ahead of myself here, but that's why we encourage you to come on Sunday morning so we can get fed, we can get filled up. That's why we encourage you to come on Wednesday night to the Bible study so you can get filled and, and, uh, and fed spiritually. Um, the first Tuesday of the month is the women's group, the monthly women's group that meets at 7 o'clock for about an hour. And then the second Tuesday of the month is the men's meeting. We meet for about an hour. And those things are designed, all these things are designed to drive us to a more intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. Everything that we do is to drive us to that place. So uh, it begins with develop, then maintain, and then model it is really simply serving. As we begin our journey with the Lord, we begin to develop, and as we maintain that connectivity, we continue to grow, and then as we, I guess I should be doing it this way for you guys, right? Uh, you develop, and then maintain, and then as you model, as you begin to serve, you continue to develop. So it's not like a circle like this. It's like an expanding circle. As we develop in our relationship with the Lord, and we maintain that connectivity to him. We're continuing to grow in that relationship. And then as we begin to model that, as we begin to serve, we're being further developed. So we encourage you to, to serve here and, and to get involved. You know, take ownership in, in your church. So again, the mission statement is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Develop, maintain, and, and model are the mechanisms to help us get to the goal. The goal, clearly stated, is intimacy with Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. All this other stuff doesn't matter. So that's our goal. And we begin with our, our children's ministry, and, and uh, that's why we do the things that we do. Everything is strategic and deliberate and driving us to that intimate relationship with him. At the end of your life, will you be found to have an authentic, honest relationship with the Lord? Or are you playing around and simply playing church? I think there are a lot of people that are playing church. They're playing with God. They may show up at church every day, but they really don't develop and maintain and model that relationship with the Lord? Are you fulfilling the great purpose and plan for your life that God has? Or are you just aimlessly wandering about, oh, just seeing what's going to happen? Listen, when we come into that relationship with the Lord, Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite scriptures, you guys have heard this dozens of times, don't conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then... Then it says, then you will learn, learn, okay, then we will understand and learn, and I think that's a continuing process. Then we will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing 
and perfect. So it all begins with developing that relationship and then maintaining it and continuing in that. This being the end of the year, Christine and I normally spend some time reflecting on the previous year and, and planning for the next year. And one of the things that we do is we normally sit down and make some goals for ourselves. We, we talk about what we want to do spiritually, you know, what, what can we do to improve our relationship with the Lord? What can we do to improve our relationship in our marriage? What can we do financially? Um, so I encourage you to, uh, at the start of 2015, take some time and reflect on some of these things. It's kind of like the saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, right? So let's, let's not just be haphazard about this thing. Let's take some time mainly and seek the Lord and say, God, what do you have for us for, for 2015? What do you have for me? And we also take some time to reflect on how God has moved in our life. What are the opportunities that the Lord has provided for us? What are the adjustments that we've needed to make throughout the year? What are the challenges? And then we look at how did we handle those? Did we do well in those things? Well, you know, maybe that's an area that I need to work on. I need to work on patience, or I need to work on being kinder or, or dealing with adversity better, or, you know, whatever those things may look like. They're probably different for all of us. But how did we respond to the situations and challenges of 2014? And what adjustments can the Lord make in our heart, in our lives, to do better? Or maybe we look and, and we say, you know, we, I really see improvement in my life in this area where, you know, I had this adverse situation, and with the Lord's help, I didn't get all emotional, I didn't blow up, I didn't lose my cool, I didn't cuss, I didn't, you know, cut anybody off on I-45 or whatever that may look like. And so we can look back and see how the Lord has grown in our life, and that can be a real encouraging thing. And so we need to look at it from both sides. God, how, how am I growing? How am I growing in you? And what are the areas that you're working in my life? And as God begins to change our life, as we begin to, as talked about in Romans 12 too, as we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, it changes the way that we respond. It changes the way that we act because our hearts are changed. Because maybe we're exhibiting more grace or mercy or patience or whatever that may look like. Another good question is, am I moving forward or am I moving backwards? Am I staying at the same place? Another great question is, how is my relationship with the Lord? Am I spending quality time with Him? Am I really taking time to hear His small, still voice? And we have this Bible reading program, and, and listen, I don't want you to just do something just to, as a checklist. I want you to take time to spend with the Lord. That's what's really important. So that's why we're only saying read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. It's not that difficult. All of us can do that. But are we spending quality time with Him? Is my relationship growing deeper or colder? How's my relationship with others? Have I become more gracious and giving? Have I become more selfish? Have I become more loving? So those are good questions to ask and take, take some time to reflect on 2014 and then set some goals for 2015. And maybe, those are, maybe the Lord will identify some areas in your life that you need to work on. He probably will if you ask him. <laughs> all right, y'all are all serious, man. I mean, come on, lighten up a little bit. <laughs> Listen, we're all having challenges. We're all being stretched, and, and uh, we're all having to allow the Lord to work in our lives. So don't feel like you're the Lone Ranger here. 
Okay, so my first point is to be ready is to know what the goal is. All right, so uh, we just talked about that. You need to know what the goals for your life are. Pray and ask the Lord. And then we're also talking about the church here. What are the goals for Life Fellowship that we impact this, these communities, that we grow individually? Listen, the church is made up of you guys, all of us. We are the church. If we're healthy and vibrant and full of the Spirit of God, then guess what? Our church is going to reflect that because the church is made up of people. What was that little thing? We are the people. Here's the church. Here's the steeple or whatever. I don't remember what that was. But we are the church. So we need to know what the goal is, and to be ready is to understand the goal. We have to understand what the goal is. Imagine that you're on the track team. And you go to the track meet, you've been practicing for the sprint, and you get to the meet, and the coach says, well, no, this isn't a sprint, this is a marathon. You're like, well, wait a minute, I, I, I can do the sprint, but this long marathon thing, you need to call Adam or Dana on that. I mean, these guys can run long distances, I can't. Or vice versa, you're expecting to run a marathon, and you get there, and they say, well, this is a 100-yard dash. You're like, well, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for that. And so we need to know what the goal is. We need to understand what the goal is. It's all significant for our personal lives that we know what the goal is, but also that we know what the goal for Life Fellowship is. Our goal really is to reach these communities around us. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And this is our core scripture. Actually, 11 through 14 is really our core scripture, but I want to read through verse 16. And it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, and the pastors and teachers. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Okay, not only did Christ come as a gift for us to die on the cross for us, but he's also given us gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Let's look at verse 12. Their responsibility, whose responsibility? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Their responsibility is to what? Equip God's people to for what reason? To do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's the purpose of the gifts of the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is to build up, to equip God's people and build up the church. These offices are not for people to have a title. I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. You know, it's not about that. It's about them being equipped, being prepared, being trained, and released to, to help others grow. To help us grow. Christ has given these gifts to the church to train and equip the body of Christ. So when you come on Sunday morning, when you come on Wednesday night, when you come on the first Tuesday women or the second Tuesday men, you're being trained and equipped. As you bring your children back to children's ministry, they're being trained and equipped so that we can impact the world around us. Not only do we get impacted because as God continues to work in our life, we're growing and God is bringing health and healing and wholeness and, and, and repairing and fixing our broken lives. Does anybody have any brokenness in your life? Do you, do you ever have any emotional struggles, you know, where you lose control emotionally or you have anger issues or whatever, and God is working those things out where you're desirous to have more love toward people? And so what we can do is we can say, God, give me the kind of love for others and and the people around me that you have for them and that you have for me. And God will honor that prayer. I've seen God do amazing things in my own life. So I know it works. So as we yield our life to him, 
So what are we being trained and equipped for? Let's go back and read verse 12 again. Their responsibility, who is it again? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, that we come into unity in our faith that we are united in Christ. I'm not talking about the unity church and the Unitarian faith. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about unity in Christ, coming together in oneness of Christ. We're called the body of Christ. And so we need to be working together. We need to be working as a body, becoming one in the body of Christ, that we are Christ's church. Also, to grow in knowledge and understanding of Christ through our relationship with him. So we need to spend time with him. We need to read the word. We need to, to allow God to speak to us so that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of Christ. And this happens as we build our relationship with him. Why? To spiritually grow up and be mature in the Lord. That's the goal, guys, that we become mature in the Lord. There have been people that have come through Life Fellowship, and if you've been here for a while, we've asked that you don't bring coffee into the sanctuary because spills will happen. And uh, so we've asked people not to, to bring coffee in the sanctuary. And most everyone is gracious. But, you know, there have been a few people that have gotten offended by that. Oh, can't bring coffee in the sanctuary. What's up with that? Well, what's up with that is if it gets spilled, are you going to clean it up? Probably not. It's going to fall on Christine or I or Karen or somebody here. But, you know, the thing is, the point I'm trying to make is that we need to grow up. Come on, there have been people that have left churches because they don't like the color of the carpet or they don't like the color of the chairs or they don't like that song or they don't like that they can't have coffee in the sanctuary. Come on, that's not very mature. Would you agree with that? So we need to grow up. And so as we come into knowledge of God's Son, as we come into unity of the faith, as we realize that it's not all about me, but it's all about Him, and God has called us to make an impact on the world around us, Becoming full-grown and mature believers, disciples or followers of Christ is a goal that we grow up. And I think that there are a lot of Christians that are really, really immature because one of the reasons is people aren't being taught the Word of God. They're not applying the Word of God. They're not committed in their relationship to the Lord. When we commit to Him, He begins to take our life and transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think. And as we begin to think differently, we begin to act differently. And listen, let me be very, very clear. I'm not talking about performance-based grace, performance-based salvation. I'm talking about a real relationship where God transforms our life. Because as we've read in Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that we should boast. We can't be good enough. So I'm not talking about performing to earn our salvation. I'm talking about God transforming our life, and then our actions begin to change. And we begin to have a greater heart for God. We have a a greater passion to reach out to others. We have a greater passion for Him and one another. So how will we know if we're doing well? Well, let's read on in verse 14, Ephesians 4, 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. 
We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's a scripture and it says that we're not to be double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's tossed about like the waves of the sea. Are you singularly focused on Christ? Listen, do you know the word of God? How are we going to know the truth if we don't spend time with the Lord and spend time in the Bible, reading the Bible? Let me read this again. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. This is why the local church is so vitally important. It's why we need to be connected to the local church so that we can learn. So that we, what did we read in there? What did I quote actually, I guess in, in Romans 12 too? So that we learn God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So that we begin to understand God's will for us. So that we're trained up, so that we're equipped and released. So that we have a greater ability to share the love of Christ with others so that we know what the Word says, so that we can share the Word of God with them, so that we can teach them the truths, the principles of God, so that we have greater influence. We can't really be effective in sharing the love of Christ if, if we don't have a relationship with Him. I mean, how are we going to do that? So the desire is to make more healthy, strong, mature, uncompromising believers. That's the goal that we would grow in our relationship. And as a natural outflow of that relationship is going to come the desire to reach out to others and share the truth of them. If you understood how to make a lot of money, you saw somebody that was in that same situation, wouldn't you want to share it with them? I mean, there's, there's plenty of money to go around, I would, I would say. But listen, even greater than that, we have the hope of life. We have the hope of Christ. And so we need to know how to share that effectively with, with other believers. And we have a phrase here at Life Fellowship, and it's, it's live it. And that's one of the best ways to, to share the love of Christ is just to live a Christ-like life and be an example, model, develop, maintain a model personal intimacy with Christ. Because as other people begin to look at our lives, they say, you know what, there's something in them that I want. We can share that with them, and we can share the hope and the love of Christ Let's look at Ephesians 4, 14 again. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And so instead of being tossed about and all of this, we will be steady. We will be solid in the Lord, speaking the truth in love, not condemning, but speaking the truth in love to one another and growing in every way to be more and more like Christ. That's our, that should be our desire. We will speak the truth in love because we know what the truth is. We will be gracious, kind, and loving as we share the truth of God with others in a kind and loving way. That's reasonable. That's what the Lord would have us do, to be kind to one another, to share the love of Christ. Listen, think back, um, you know, when you weren't walking with the Lord, God has been gracious to you. And there have been probably people that he's brought across your path that have tried to gently love you and, and lead you to the Lord. We will take on more and more of the character of Christ as we begin to yield our life to him and allow him to, to come into our lives and fix our broken lives we'll begin to look more like Christ. 
Maybe not physically, but take on the character of Christ. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So as we allow God to infuse our lives, we begin to grow in those areas. Does anybody else need to be more loving? (laughs) Does anybody else need a little more joy? Maybe some peace? Okay, here's a good one. Do you need to grow in some patience? (laughs) Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And so as we yield our life to God, God begins to help us as he brings healing and wholeness to our lives. And he begins to restore us into that intimate place of relationship with him. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Who are we talking about? Christ. This is the body of Christ. Christ, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its, what, own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does what? Its own special work. So we're all important. We're all needed in the body of Christ. Because even if you're serving on the same team, say you're on the greeting team, you all, each person on that greeting team brings a different element or aspect. And, and have you ever been working alongside somebody, maybe at church, maybe in your, your secular job, whatever that may look like, and you, you see them doing something? Let's, let me use church as an example. Say you're on the greeting team, and, and you see somebody that's really always just energetic and happy, and you're like, man, I like how you engage with people. You know, you're authentic, and and, but you're, you're engaging, and you're always joyful. You're always giving an encouraging word. And, or maybe you see somebody else, and, and you see how diligent they are at, at putting up the, the awnings or the tents. And you're like, man, they're, they're really good at that. I, I can learn from that. See, listen, we all learn from one another. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's not by accident that you're here. Come on. God has a design plan for you. And if Life Fellowship is your home, then he's called you to be here. He's designed you to be here. You're part of the puzzle. And if you're missing, well, part of the puzzle is missing. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So you're needed here. God has placed you here because we need you. God needs you to fulfill your place in, the, in this piece of, and you're a piece of this puzzle here at Life Fellowship. Your talents, your giftings, and service are needed to help the rest of us grow. Are you getting that? I hope you are. So my first point this morning is to be ready is to know what the goal is. My second point is to be ready is to understand the goal. My third point is to be ready is to embrace the goal. Like I said earlier, it's not an accident that you're here. I've seen how God has strategically brought people here at the right time for what we need. And it's amazing how God is doing that. And God wants to continue to do that. So who orchestrates and makes the whole body fit together perfectly? Christ. Let's look at Ephesians 4.16 again. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly in each part. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We need the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We need all of you 
doing their own special work so that we can continue to grow as a body, so that we can encourage and help one another, so that we can continue to pour into our children back there, so that we can continue to reach these communities around us. If we're just some social club, that's not fulfilling God's mission and calling for us. God has called us to do something. Get ready. Come on, let's get ready. 2015 is going to be a great year. Let's be ready. Let's be ready to move forward. I want to talk about our pastor, Pastor Don. He operates in the prophetic. I would say that Pastor Don is an apostle. He, he certainly is a pastor, and he pastors thousands of pastors. And, and I really, you know, there's some people that, you may be seen them on TV or something, it says apostle so-and-so, or, you know, I don't know about this, guys, but, but I do know about Pastor Don. I really believe that he is an apostle. He's not, he's, he's not one of these self-appointed apostles. I mean, he won't put that title on himself. But I believe that that is really a mantle on him. And he also operates in the prophetic. He is so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Man, I can't tell you the number of times where he has read my mail, where he's given me a word. And it's not from him. Please hear me. It's from the Spirit of God pouring through him and speaking to people. But, well, let's go back and read Ephesians 4.11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Some people have this mentality of, I'm a prophet. You know, I'm a prophet. I'm only a prophet. Or some people may have this, I'm an apostle, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a teacher. Listen, God can work through our lives however he needs to work through, however he wants to. Because I've seen Pastor Don uh, as a pastor, of course, but I've also seen, seen him move prophetically. So God can take our lives, if we're willing to yield to him, he's, he's able to do whatever he wants to through our lives. And, and so these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And there was a there was a, a word that Pastor Don gave to us. He gave it to Christine and I, but it's really for us as a church. And, and uh, one of the words he's given is, those who are supposed to be here won't be able to leave. Those who aren't supposed to be here won't be able to stay. And so God has a purpose and plan. And there's always a dynamic in church where you have people coming and going. But the key people that are supposed to be here will know that they're supposed to be here. They'll be drawn here. I know many of you. Feel that, that you're drawn here. You know that you're supposed to be here. And so that's God orchestrating your life. That's God placing you in the local body where he needs you to be so that you can be built up, so that you can encourage. I would say that, that most of you here this, this morning embrace the mission that God has called us to, if not all of you. Some of you I don't know very well. Some of you are visiting. But uh, most of you embrace the mission and the vision that the Lord has called us to fulfill. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take us committing to that. It takes commitment. It takes diligence. It takes hard work to fulfill this huge vision that God has given us to reach the nations, not only to reach the communities around us, but to reach the nations. And we teach about giving of our time, our talents, and our treasure. And for 2015, for those of you that are... uh, committed firmly and many of you are you're here every week serving i want to thank you for that and there there are some people that are just kind of sporadic maybe come once a month or twice a month if if you're coming once or twice a month i want to encourage you for 2015 to take it up a notch if you're coming to you know uh one sunday a month I'd, i'd like to encourage you to come double that or triple that because listen guys this is not a game for us 
This is about training and equipping us to go out and make a difference in the world, but also that God would infuse us and heal us. And there's a banquet table here at Life Fellowship, but, but if you're not here to eat, you're not going to receive any nutrition from that. So I want to encourage you to, to continue to come and uh, be faithful, be committed. Make a determination. You can do that. You have the power to do that. You just have to do it. But I want to talk about physical laws and principles for a moment. Because there's a scripture that I, that I really want to get to this morning. And, but I, I don't like to take a scripture and just pull it out of context or pull it out from where it, what it's tied to. Because you, you can get into trouble like that. But, but it, so I'm going to read kind of this whole passage of scripture here. But what I really want to get to is the, the last scripture here. But I want to talk about biblical principle of sowing and reaping. And let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will, will get a generous crop. Now, I mean, it's not rocket science, right? If you plant a few seeds, you're going to get a harvest on that. But it's going to be a smaller harvest than what you would get if you planted a bunch of seeds. Verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. This is not a tithing message, and, and I don't want to get caught up here, but I do want to say this, that some people will look at that and say, well, you know, that re that's uh, talking about tithing. I don't have to tithe, because here it says, Paul says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or, or in response to pressure. But at Life Fellowship, we teach that a tenth of our increase belongs to him. So this is called a tithe, which means a tenth. And you, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but you can go to Matthew 23, 23. And Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And he's saying that, yes, you should tithe. But don't neglect the more important things, justice, mercy, and faith. And so Jesus is saying, listen. There, there are more important things here than tithing, justice, mercy, and faith. Yes, you should tithe, but those, those are the basics. And so what we do here at Life Fellowship is we teach on tithing. We teach you to tithe. We teach you what the Word says, and then it's up to you. That's why we don't pass a plate. We made a determination when we started Life Fellowship that we weren't going to pass a plate. I would rather you know the truth. I would rather you know what the Word of God says and then just do it than try to uh, manipulate or... Uh, make people feel guilty about not giving or whatever. Um, but when we give, again, this is a principle of sowing and reaping. And I'm not just talking about money. When we give of our time and our talents and our treasure, God blesses back. It's sowing and reaping. What you plant, you're going to see a bigger harvest. I mean, think about this. You plant one seed of grain. What do you get? You, you get a head of grain or several heads of grain, and it has, I don't know how many how many seeds or how much grain is on a head of grain, but there's much more than one. And so if you plant two seeds, well, then you double that. If you plant a whole bag full of seeds, you're going to get a lot more grain out of that. And so as we plant, as we give of our time and our talents and our treasures, we receive more. We are the beneficiaries of that. So again, um, you know, I don't want you to get hung up on this and, and think that this is talking about tithing and that you don't have to give. You, you decide the Bible is very clear that the first of the increase belongs to him, the first 10%. That's the minimum, guys. And so that's what we teach here. But again, this is not a tithing message, all right? But I guess it is, sort of. 
So we don't pass the plate here. We teach you the word of God and we uh, teach you the biblical principles. And let me say this too. We teach you to give because it reflects the heart of God. And you'll hear people on TV say, if you will give $77, God's going to bless you with a million bucks or whatever they tell you. Listen, that's the wrong heart, guys. We give not to get, but to reflect the heart of God. God gave everything for us. And, and also, there's this principle of here of when we give, when we, uh, when we sow, we reap. And he promises, he says, that given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over so much that you can't contain it. It's a principle here, guys. So I want you to get that. That's what I want you to focus on. But it's tied to this other scripture, so I didn't want to just skip over all this. This is a, the scripture that I really wanted to get to. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, that's the principle. As we give, God gives. Because God is looking for a people that are gracious in giving, that he can entrust. What, what would happen if God gave you a million dollars? Would you hold on to all of it? <laughs> Some of us would. Some of us wouldn't. And it's God's desire that he pour through us. But he doesn't want, want to give to us, and, and then we just hold on to it or damn that up and hold on to it. He wants it to flow. God wants to pour through our lives. Again, I'm not just talking about money. What are the giftings that he's given you? What about the love of God that fills you? Are you sharing that love with others? And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the reflection of God's heart. God is a gracious, generous, giving God. And the goal is, is really not about giving or not giving. The goal here is about are we reflecting the heart of God? Are we loving one another? Are we gracious and giving? And as I look across this room, I see so many people that are so giving and generous. And I love that. That reflects the heart of God. I want to read the same scripture in the New American Standard Bible. We normally teach out of the New Living Translation, but I wanted to read this out of the NASB. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that, and I'm emphasizing you, speaking because he's speaking of you, that you always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed or every good work. And so as we give, God gives to us. I remember Pastor Don, I don't know if he's still doing this, but a number of years ago, he would have us quote the scripture. It's in the New King James. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And I know that there was a season, and we haven't been at the fellowship in, in 12 or 13 years, but we would quote that scripture. And God is able to make all grace all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. See, God wants to do some things through our lives, but he is the one that provides if we will yield ourselves to him. And if we will allow him to pour through us, he'll just open the floodgates and pour into our lives. So let's look at our three points again. This, this sermon is called, Be Ready. Ready. And to be ready, you need to know what the goal is. You need to understand the goal. 
And you need to embrace the goal. Are you embracing the goals that God has for your life? Are you embracing him and saying, Lord, I'm yielding my life to you. As we follow the Lord's leading, he will provide everything we need. People, resources, buildings, money. Everything to accomplish his will for us, which is what? Good and pleasing and perfect. If you're not on a, a team here, I ask you to pray. And get involved in an area of ministry here. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I tell you what, when we give, it brings joy to us. Knowing that we are giving back from what the Lord has given to us. As we pour into people, God pours into us. He generously gives to us all that we need. As we give of our time and our talents and our treasure, God takes what we give and multiplies those things many times over, just like planting seeds. You see fruitfulness come from those things. To be ready for God's plan for you, it requires the first step of coming into a relationship with him. That's where it begins. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and and God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time and you walked away, or maybe you've never had a relationship with him and he's speaking to your heart. Would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. We can take care of that today. There's no shame in that. God desires to take your life and do something amazing, amazing. But it starts with that, that, that step of asking him into our life. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to, to pour into us, Lord, that you would not only pour into us, but you would pour through us to impact a lost and dying world, that you would bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives so that we may share the hope of Christ and what you've done, the transformation in our life is a testimony to others that there's hope for them. So Lord, I pray that we would be more intentional in building an intimate relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God has given us a huge vision, and I want to say thank you to all of those that are helping week in and week out and driving that initiative forward. And if you're not serving on a team, I would encourage you to, to get involved. Talk to the team leaders. Find out what it is that, that you'd like to do and be involved. Um, also, I wanted to mention our Bible reading schedule. We have several of them up here on the front row. And now's a, a good time to jump into that. It's one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. You can do that. I know you can. And uh, as we prepare for this, this upcoming year, we have some really exciting things happening. Uh, seeing a lot of growth and uh, some new ministries really developing and a lot of good things happening. And... Um, I want you to be a part of that. So I want you to continue to come on Sunday mornings. Commit to coming. Listen, uh, one of our mottos is life-giving, life-changing, life relationships. And as we come and we gather together and we yield our life to God, God changes our life. He gives us life. He changes our life. And he builds our relationship with him and one another. So this week as you go out, be deliberate and intentional in sharing the love of Christ and the hope of Christ with those whom you come in contact with. Thank you so much for joining us. We will not have Bible study this Wednesday. It will resume the following Wednesday. And uh, I think the, the women's group will be meeting the first Tuesday of the month. 
and I'm into second Tuesday of the month. So I hope to see you guys here. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next Sunday.